Hello, all you beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and on today's episode, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Katie Scott, who just placed second in the Arizona Trail 300, and she did so after deciding to do the AZT only four days before the group start, and this was her first ever bikepacking race. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that you do too. And I appreciate Katie coming on the podcast and sharing with us. On today's episode, I am going to make a little bit of announcement, so keep your ears peeled for that. And I'm going to keep this one short and sweet because I am in the throes of packing for the Mulberry Gap takeover that's happening this weekend, which means that I have to unpack from the previous bikepacking trip. I have to unpack from Oklahoma and uh, get packed for this one. So it's always the uh, packing shuffle. I was uh, unloading my frame bag from the last bikepacking trip and forgot that I had left in there some cheese and crackers and like a little meat thing. It was like a meat tray that I threw into a bag and uh, it turned into a science project in my frame bag. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're not a real bike packer because every real bike packer knows you got to have moldy food in your frame bag or your feed bag or top two bag. It's just part of the deal. And so if you haven't done that yet, make sure to leave your food in your bags after you get back from your trip. Leave it in there for a good month or so and then open it up and see what you got cooking. All right, well, before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible. We truly can't produce these shows without support, and your support makes all the difference in the world. So let's start with our newest patrons, starting first with Miles Brown and Jake Thurston. Also want to thank Kenny Young for increasing his pledge. That's always an option, too, if you've been hovering around the lower tiers, you can always step up your game and uh, throw in a couple extra dollars. If you appreciate these episodes and want to see them keep coming into your podcasting feed on a regular basis, head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death and you can support this show for as little as a dollar a month. And it makes me feel good and makes you feel good and it helps us produce these shows and we appreciate it greatly. Now today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. I've been using Athletic Greens for a while now as a way to enhance my daily nutrition and build a better foundation for better health. With Athletic Greens, you're going to fill in your nutrient gaps. It promotes gut health and supports whole body vitality, all with AG1. All you need is one daily serving that delivers a potent blend of nine healthy products a multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, adaptions, and more, all working together to help you feel like your healthiest self. Now, I like to take mine, if I'm at home, in a smoothie that I make every day. I'm big on smoothies, and it's easy to throw that in there, blend it up, and get all of the benefits from AG1. But if I'm bikepacking, they do make a travel pack that makes it super easy to get all of your 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. All you got to do is open that bad boy, 
dump it into about eight ounces of water and enjoy. And as you know, when we're out bikepacking, it can be very difficult to get the nutrients that you need. And this is one very easy way to make that happen when you're out bikepacking. Now, Athletic Greens is making it easy for you to try their product and offering you a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five travel packs. To unlock that offer, go to athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death and take control of your health today. All right, everybody. Today, I want to announce one of our special sponsors of the Bikes or Death Takeover happening next week in LJ, Georgia. The Gilmore County Chamber of Commerce is one of our title sponsors, and we are so grateful to have them. You know, we're on one thing that's really great about the chamber getting involved is that it shows that y'all are recognizing the value of events like this. And we really can't do an event like this without support. And so first of all, I just want to say thank you for your support and recognizing the value that this event hopefully brings to your community. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. And thank you for having me on and allowing us the opportunity to be a sponsor. I know that, uh, you know, Kate and Andrew have been longtime members of the chamber. And uh, when we sat down and talked about this, uh, you know, we were definitely excited because one, it brings them business, but also like we had talked, uh, it brings, uh, you know, maybe some of the family members or some of the other attendees an opportunity to stay for, you know, for a few additional days uh, in our community. Absolutely. And I've been to Mulberry Gap. I've been in your neck of the woods before in 2019. It's absolutely beautiful. And I'm wondering if you could share with my audience I'm going to give you an opportunity to brag a little bit about Gilmer County. If uh, people are coming into town and maybe want to extend their stay, or maybe they have a spouse or kids that are also going to be attending and might want to step away and check out some other cool things in the area, what would you recommend? What what should they check out in Gilmer County? Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned you you know you uh, were here in 2019, and I'm sure if you take a trip downtown, things have definitely changed. We've been growing at a very rapid rate. Also, just took a look at the forecast and looks like the weather is supposed to be beautiful. So I think any of the outdoor activities um, for starters, you know, probably just a quick drive about 20 minutes away from Mulberry is uh, downtown LJ, which, you know, we have several new restaurants uh, in town. We have the Apple Orchard, which are still open. And as you know, Gilmer County is known for, you know, for two key things, and that's the Apple capital of Georgia. So Still a lot of the markets there. There's going to be kids activities, uh, the east end of the county, you know, BJ Reese, Mac Aaron, Hillcrest Orchards, uh, RNA Orchards, Panorama uh, are all going to have the markets open still. And some of them may have some uh, pick your own on the weekends as well. Um, in addition, we have several wineries. Uh, we're probably known as uh, probably the most wineries uh, in this geographic area. And looking to continually to grow. And those wineries uh, on the weekends will have food trucks and also live music from Friday through Sunday. So that's a great opportunity to kind of wind down on the weekends, go enjoy a bottle of wine. And all of them have very unique uh, and different landscapes and um, different settings. For kids' activities, uh, we have a Paint Your Own in town here, uh, Beautiful Creations. Uh, Bo is a great friend of mine, and uh, she has classes uh, like she likes to say, it's not fine art, it's fun art. So uh, something great for the entire family as well. And again, that's right here on the square. 
Another thing for anyone that enjoys a good cigar, uh, we have the LJ Cigar Lounge, which recently opened, and that's right here on the square as well. So you can come spend an evening here at the Cigar Lounge, maybe bring your uh, best bottle of bourbon or scotch and, um, you know, pick one of your favorite cigars. Or maybe uh, another thing they do is um, pipes as well. So um, definitely a lot to do, I think, for uh, any family member, any age group. Um, A lot of hiking trails over there in that Mulberry Gap area, as you know, the Pinhoti Trail. You know, we're kind of the start of the Appalachian Trail, not very far from Springer Mountain, Amakaloa Falls. And uh, still have a little bit of color on the trees as well. So just kind of taking a drive or maybe a a hike out into uh, the Cahuttas and um, just kind of exploring. It's supposed to be a little chilly in the morning, but I think just just nice to kind of get away and explore what uh, this beautiful county has to offer. Man, that sounds awesome. It really is a beautiful area. I appreciate that y'all are uh, locking in the nice weather for us and and hanging on to some of those fall colors as well. For people who are listening that want to uh, maybe find out some more about other things to do in the area, is there somebody that they can contact or a good website that they can go to to learn more about the area? Sure. So I'm the tourism director, so you can contact me, Ron Cheslock. My email address is ron at gilmerchamber.com. Definitely welcome any information or if you want to reach out to me. Our our website is gilmerchamber.com. And we have a list of calendar of events, ongoing activities, but then also the opportunity to see any additional accommodations, restaurants, wineries, orchards, you know, and, and any of the other activities that you might be interested in while you're here. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ron. And we're looking forward to seeing you next week at Mulberry Gap. All righty. Thank you. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I really enjoy talking to my new friend, Katie Scott, and appreciate her coming on the episode to share with us her experience on this year's AZT 300 and the epic battle between her and Anna Jagger that took place between the first and second place riders. Of course, Anna went on to win the AZT 800. And by doing so, that completed her triple crown this year. That means that she completed the Colorado Trail the Tour Divide, and the AZT. So huge shout out to Anna Jagger. But today, we're talking with Katie Scott. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Tell me about, uh, I'm actually curious. So we all struggle, I think most of us, if we're being honest with our relationship with social media, with our phones, being on them too much. Whenever we were setting up this interview, you said that social media wasn't a great way to contact you because you try not to spend much time on it. So what what's your personal relationship with social media? Um, it stressed me out. <laughs> I like I I definitely recognize 
uh, I tend to get addicted to it. Uh, and when I know I'm addicted to it, when I like can't not look at it every day, or it's like, I'm, you know, I'm picking up my phone anytime I have like a free moment. Um, you know, even just like sitting on the bathroom, uh, or in the, on the toilet, like, Oh, I have to look at my phone. And that's when I'm like, Oh God, this is not good. Um, so yeah, I like deleted the, all the social media apps off my phone. Um, and that helps. Like I, I do look at Instagram just like in the browser on my phone. Um, but I haven't posted, I guess I, I made a post after AZT, but before that I hadn't posted to Instagram in like a year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can tell it like really stresses me out and is like overstimulating. And I just feel so much better when I'm not looking at my phone as much. Um, even like this morning I went on a walk before this and was like, I'm going to leave the phone at home. <laughs> and that felt really good. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'm like constantly working on too. Like I, I'm totally addicted to my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all are. <laughs> it's really hard. I struggle with it because of, you know, through the podcast, you know, social media has become a part of my job, you know, I mean, those right. relationships and those messages and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I kind of have to do uh, as it res relates to bikes or death. And I mean, like you, I mean, I think we all are always struggling and trying to find that balance. But man, I, I, here's the reality. Like I consider it a victory if I can like leave my phone in a different room and walk away. I mean, that's how sad it is. So when you talk about going on a walk, I mean, that's epic because like... <laughs> If you're thinking about going on a walk, you could think about like, there's a lot of like, uh, realistic, maybe not like likely fears, but your dog could run away. You might need to call someone or, uh, you know, I mean, you could witness an accident and want to call like 911 or like you can like can conjure like reasons why you feel like you need your, need your phone there. So yeah, moral victories, I guess, over technology. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed anything in your life uh, by kind of being more mindful about it where it's like helped you or you're less anxious? Yeah, I I do notice I'm less anxious the less I'm on my phone. Yeah, I think it's like having discipline in terms of like impulse control uh, is really important to me. So like practicing going against the impulse to like look at the phone. Um, I think that just helps me in general and I, I just feel more present and I, I like notice more stuff like around me. Yeah. Easier to do when you're not looking at your phone. I'm speaking to all of us. Like when you're, you know, you look around, everybody's heads are down. Like how much are you missing out on? That's like actually going on in, in your life. I, one, this is a conversation I was having a friend a, a couple of days ago about, um, you know, about alcohol and my relationship with alcohol and trying to get to a better place with it. And it's something I've been really mindful over like the last six months. And I was telling my friend, I'm like, I, I've kind of reframed it in my head because I'm, I'm the type of person where I don't like, I don't like kind of being controlled or being told what to do. I don't like, 
I don't like things or people to be in control of me, you know, like I like to kind of, yeah, I, I've never worked well with bosses, you know, like I've always been self-employed and I, it's just kind of like a, a thing. And if you look at like, I started to look at alcohol and reframe it and be like, you know, like it's kind of having this control over my life where I feel like I need to go have a drink or, you know, then if you're hungover, it's kind of like controlling your life the next day. And as you were talking, it made me realize like social media is kind of like that. Like it's how much control do you have over it? How much control do you have over those interactions with your phone? And how much are you the one that's kind of like dictating when you're going to have those interactions and how you're going to have those interactions, you know? And so I don't know. I just, I think that if you can reframe it in a way, like I want to be in control of, you know, my mind, my time, my focus, my attention, like all these things, like those are my things and I should be mindful about where I put them and how I give them away and how I use them. Yeah. Yeah. Your time is valuable. (laughs) It's it's even more valuable when you're 42. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do in uh, Durango? Are you from Durango? I'm from Boulder. Um, I grew up, uh, well, just outside of Boulder in Broomfield. Um, and I came to Durango for college uh, back in 2012. Um, I was here for a few years and then moved back up to Boulder for a little bit and came back here again uh, in 2019. Um, but yeah, I really like being here. It's, it's a good size for me. The small town is, it's even like maybe a little bit too big for me. (laughs) How big is it there? Um, I think we're around 20,000. Oh, wow. It is Um, small. Yeah. I didn't realize it was such a small town. Yeah. It's pretty small and we're pretty isolated. Like, you know, it's not like the front range where the next town is 10 minutes away. Like everything bleeds into each other. It's, it's a lot more isolated. Oh, sweet. What do you do for outdoor recreation in the area? Obviously it's a target rich environment for that. Other than do you just ride bikes or do you do other stuff too? Yeah, I, I run a lot, uh, like trail running and hiking actually this summer, I kind of declared I'm, I'm a runner now. Uh, (laughs) I was like burnt out on bikes. Um, so yeah, this summer I spent, um, on foot, uh, (laughs) mostly, I mean, I was doing enough rides to like kind of maintain some riding fitness, but, um, yeah, I went on a bunch of backpacking trips this summer and yeah. Um, I'm not much of a winter sports person, so I just kind of keep riding and running in the yeah. summer. As winter, or in the winter, in. sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, uh, has winter kicked in there yet, or are y'all still in fall? Yeah, we we got some snow. Um, today is gorgeous. It's like fifty something, um, and usually it doesn't snow. Like or most of the years that I've been here, it doesn't snow in town until like Christmas. Um, but we did get some snow the other day. Nice. What do you do for work there in Boulder? You said you have uh, a, the day off Durango. today. Um, oh, and yeah, Durango, I have yeah, the day off. Uh, I work at Durango Cyclery, um, the coolest bike shop in town. <laughs> <laughs> Shout I, out! I love. Yeah, I love um, 
I love my boss, Joe. He just bought the shop a couple of years ago and my coworkers are amazing. It just feels like a little family. Um, I, I love working there. That's interesting. I, I'm curious. So you went to school, did you get a degree and then decide not to, <laughs> did you just wanted to be around bikes or what happened? No, I never got my degree. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm on like year 11 of my college <laughs> career. Um, yeah, no, school has always been really hard for me. Um, and I, I've dealt with chronic illness too. I have an autoimmune disease. And um, so that's uh, been the reason why I've dropped out of school a couple times. Um, but yeah, like I didn't even graduate high school. <laughs> I got my GED. Um, and then, yeah, I started out Fort Lewis and did like a couple years. And then I got really sick and dropped out. And I've done like some semesters at community college. Uh, I did a semester at Sioux Boulder. In 2019, when I moved back here, I did a couple more semesters at Fort Lewis. Um, yeah, I still haven't finished. Well, I don't, you probably don't know this, but we have that in common. I, I dropped out of high school too. I dropped out at 17 okay. and I went to school, I went to college and like gave myself a self-declared uh, business degree. Like I went, I never intended to graduate, but I took like small business management, economics, accounting, business law, like all of these, like, cause at that point in my life, I thought I wanted to be a businessman, an entrepreneur. And I guess I am an entrepreneur. I guess this is a business. Um, so I guess it counts, but it's a fun one. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I definitely, school has always been a huge challenge for me. And like one of the things that I think that like challenges it is a challenge for me personally is this idea that like there's only one way to be successful or, you know, to get education or to have a career. And I reject that. Like, obviously, it's a good path for some people and it, it works well, but I reject that it is the only path forward. And, you know, as people, we should be allowed to figure out what what works best for our, ourselves, you know? And so, yeah, no, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, just like all of the systems involved um, in academics just don't really work for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I am definitely there with you. What does work for me is working at a bike shop, though. I could get into that if I wasn't so busy with the podcast. What do you do there? Um, I, I'm a mechanic. I work, uh, so we have like a back shop and then we have, so the, the shop is in like an old house, which is really cool. Um, so we have a couple of stands up front. Um, so I'll be like wrenching on something. Um, and then a customer will come in and I'll help them. And, um, so yeah, I'm not like strictly a mechanic. I do a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, I like, I like it. I, I like working with my hands. Um, it is, it, it's can get really tiring for me, like being on my feet, um, all day, but yeah, like working with my hands feels really engaging. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like something tactile that you're actually like, you can work on something, fix it, and it's like a mini, kind of like a mini reward. You're like, oh, I did something. I accomplished something. I fixed something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Can you do you mind sharing more about your autoimmune disease and and because I'm curious how that could and yeah. probably does impact like training and riding and racing and and all of this stuff. Yeah, it's been. Um, I I first got sick uh, when I was in high school. Um, I got mono. Um, I've seen bar virus and I just kind of never got better. Um, and, uh, I, I was sick for like pretty much a year, um, straight, just like super fatigued and, um, couldn't really do much. I, I was lucky to find a naturopath who like took a bunch of blood tests and discovered that I have this, uh, autoimmune disease. Um, it's a non-specified mixed connective tissue disorder. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go back to so school, I, get my medical degree, and then I'll have a great understanding <laughs> of what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Just so kidding, I, I can have um, autoimmune antibodies uh, like against my connective tissue. Um so yeah, it's, um, how does that manifest itself? Like in your life? Um, you mentioned yeah. it's hard to stand up for long periods of time. Like how, how is it actually manifesting? Um, I've been able to manage my symptoms really well for the last few years, um, through diet and rest and, you know, just making sure I don't overextend myself. Um, and honestly through meditation, like that's been probably one of the biggest keys to, uh, me staying healthy. Can but you yeah, expand on the meditation aspect of it. It's something I'm pretty interested in, especially in terms of how, you know, the mind can have such a prolific impact on a autoimmune disease or a, a, a legitimate physical, um, you know, issue, whether it's an autoimmune disease or, or something else like, um, yeah, please. I'd like to hear more about that. Um, well, I found, um, like my meditation practice, um, at a time when I was really, really sick and I was, just kind of looking for anything that would help. And I, I actually, I had a therapist, um, suggest to me that I go to, um, this is when I was still living in Boulder, um, the Boulder Psychic Institute. Um, they have free aura and chakra healings once a week. And she just like handed me this little brochure and was like, I think you should try this. Prior to that, I had zero exposure to any sort of mindfulness, meditation, spiritual practice, uh, metaphysical, anything. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I just, uh, at that point I was willing to try anything. Um, so I just, I showed up to one of these free, um, healings, energy healings that they offered. And, um, it was like a first come first serve thing. So it was, when it was my turn, they, they paired me with a healer and I sat down and as soon as the healing started, I like felt it in my body. Um, and I was like, Whoa, nobody told me like to expect to feel anything. And I'm something is happening. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so they didn't even like, yeah, so. uh, they didn't even like tell you, Hey, have these types of expectations. They just said, Hey, you should do this. And then your yeah, mind is just yeah. open. 
Wow. That's yeah. Cool. My therapist is like, this might help. It's like basically just like an alternative approach. Um, but yeah, so I, I love telling that story because it was like, I ha I had no idea what to expect and then something happened. Um, but yeah, they, um, they offered classes. So those free healings that I was going to like, that was a way that students, uh, could practice, uh, what they learn at, okay. um, at the Institute. So anyway, I eventually started taking classes and they're basically meditation classes, um, uh, all visualization based. Um, and yeah, that's how I got started in, in meditation. Um, and I'm actually still taking courses with them today over the phone. Really? Yeah. So is it like a guided meditation over the phone? Basically we, we learn different, uh, tools, uh, like, uh, tools to expand on our intuition and, uh, clairvoyance and yeah, there it's all like we, during class, we're like sitting in meditation and they give us different tools, each class and we get to like practice with them. You know, I was, another thing I was discussing with a friend recently was, um, I realized, um, I, I've struggled with anxiety for, gosh damn my whole fucking life <laughs> since i was yeah. 14 uh yeah. and you know like crippling and and I'm, i manage it much 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 better now and um but it's been a real trial in my life just crippling anxiety and i realized yeah. recently like on my personal journey meditation and mindfulness has been a part of that and i didn't even i didn't even kind of realize this but i just acknowledged it recently but like the um, meditation or like breathing techniques, I think, are often overlooked, but I found them to be extremely helpful, especially like breathing. Like if I'm feeling anxious or feeling like I'm about to have a panic attack or something, I've learned that just natural or I realized recently that just naturally I've started to just focus on breathing, like over a time of practicing of like being in control of your breath. And it's it's really like when it dawned on me, I'm like, man, it's so profound how just controlling your breathing and focusing on your breathing and having that little bit of control can give you so much, I don't know, peace and a sense of wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like the courses I take, um, it, like I said, it's all like visualization based, but, I, uh, I've also learned some like coping skills, like breath work or, you know, orienting, um, you know, like I'm doing it right now, like looking around the room, like, where am I? What are some things I notice in my surroundings? Um, and what is the I've purpose tried, like, of that? Orienting? orienting. Uh -huh. um, I think it just like kind of forces you to like, come, come back to the present moment and like come back to your body and um, yeah, like, okay, like this is where I am right now. This is you know, what's surrounding me. Here's like the context of like what's actually happening. Um, yeah, that, that's how I see it. It's like, it just kind of forces you to like come back to the present moment. Is there a name for this type of uh, meditation you practice? Cause I know there's like a bunch of different kinds. I don't know what I would call it. Um, visualization yeah. meditation. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you visualizing things like, you know, healing your body and focusing on certain things? And, and is that part of the process? Yeah. So like starting out, um, like the introductory course, um, at BPI's like self-healing 101 and they just, they give you some basic tools to like, um, like for example, I think maybe the first thing they teach you is like how to ground, uh, how to ground your body. Uh, so you can visualize giving yourself what they call a grounding cord. Um, so like a connection from your body, your hips to the center of the planet. Um, and that acting as like, kind of like a release valve where you can like let go of whatever might be stuck in your body. Um, I also see it as like a, a connected, your connectedness to, to the earth. Um, but yeah, so that's an example. Um, so yeah, it is like your, uh, what, what I've been learning is like using that, those visualization techniques to, to heal. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, like this, this idea that like your, like what you visualize is like, uh, it, it creates your physical experience. That's amazing. I love that. I love this stuff. It's such a, <laughs> it was, well, you know, it's a very personal thing, really. It's like, you can talk about it, but you really have to, uh, kind of experience it for yourself and like have a, a more intimate understanding, like, you know, even the people that recommended it to you and say, Hey, you should try that. This, it's not a one for one. They can't say you're going to have this type of experience. This is going to fix you or whatever, but you know, go into it with an open mind. And I I've, I've derived a lot of benefit through breathing and, and, and meditation is, is hard. Uh, it's way harder it than people <laughs> realize. I mean, Put down everything, put down everything in your life, put down all your thoughts and just be present in yourself and even just try to like let it, you know, it depends on the kind of meditation. I'm no expert, but like um, it's it's a challenge to like, you know, center yourself and be clear of thought or, you know, I, I follow like Sam Harris's uh, meditation uh, whenever I do it. It's a guided meditation app that he has called uh, Waking Up. Uh, that's a really good one. I like I like his because he's a neuroscientist, and so I kind of like the idea of like somebody who is very aware of the brain and the body connection, who you know is kind of guiding it. And so I think there it's like kind of a uh, there's an intellectual approach to it, I guess you know that that I I really like. But it's it's hard to do. I I meditated yesterday probably for like only five minutes or something like that but um yeah it's important it's hard to do and uh, i think people should should try it if they haven't what uh name the place that you're taking classes from and maybe like you could text it to me i'll put it in the show notes too just for sure. i might check it out and <laughs> other people might be interested too yeah it's the boulder psychic institute Boulder Psychic Psychic Institute. Yeah, here right. I'll type it in our little chat right now. Uh, technology. <laughs> um, but yeah, they do classes over the phone. They uh, they switched to like only over the phone uh, when the pandemic started, which is nice for me because I moved away from Boulder. So. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, plus with an autoimmune disease, I'm guessing you were a little more concerned about COVID um, at that when it was at like the height of. Yeah, that was really scary for me. Just like having, um, have yeah, having had the experience of being chronically ill, I I freaked out when COVID started. I was like, I I don't want to go back there. Like, I don't want to be sick again. Like, I know what it's like to be disabled by illness. And so, yeah, I, I was pretty isolated for the first over a year. Like I, I was very strict. Um, and then as we started to like learn more about it and, and as I've like done some self-work around my, my fear of it, um, I've been able to be less isolated and, and feel like I can be out in the world more. But yeah, I, I've, I've that's been tough to navigate. <laughs> well, I mean, the reality is we're still learning about COVID and the long-term <laughs> yeah. impacts. And I mean, it's it's scary shit, you know? Like, I mean, the reality is, is I mean, yeah. a lot of people thought they knew what they were talking about on the internet and some people were right and some people were wrong. Most of them are probably wrong. But the reality, like, no matter where you stood, nobody fucking knew anything. It's a new virus. Like, uh, so mm-hmm. there's a lot to be concerned about if you're being honest about it. It's like, we don't have all the answers. So, all right. Well, you didn't know this was going to be a uh, meditation podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) I liked, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast before, but you know, for me, like, I really like to get to know the people because I put this on my Instagram post yesterday. Yesterday was a four year anniversary of Bikes for Death. And the thing that I realized is like a self-reflection has been because I started the podcast as like, uh, you know, a, a very like new bike packer, didn't know shit from shit and just was kind of like curious and wanting to talk to the people. And, but you know, what I've found is that what people really connect to is the people, you know, like everybody, maybe everybody has an autoimmune disease, but like everybody has challenges and struggles in their life. We're all trying to figure out how to live in these like meat suits that we walk around in and navigate the world. And, you know, we want to go adventure and do cool shit and we got to have a job. And like all of these things are things that people can relate to, you know, I mean, and when, when we understand like the people and understand okay, Katie Scott didn't just like hop on her bike and she's like this badass athlete. She's, you know, she's got stuff too and she's working through it. And those things are really relatable to people, you know, like um, that's what I found has been like the most, uh, the most important thing is like connecting people to other people and their experiences. And whenever they can connect to those experiences, they can internalize and they're thereby like, go and do cool shit themselves, you know? Like, it, it's kind of like a gateway in a, in a sense, so. All right, well, let's talk about the AZT. Uh, so you decided, to, I think I heard this on your call-in to MTB cast, but I think you said that uh, you uh, decided you were going to race on Sunday four days before the start of the race. Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> All right, it's so what true. happened there? <laughs> Um, my friend Isabel, um, Isabel Fisk, uh, who also raced, um, and also crushed it. Um, she, uh, I don't know how long she had been planning to do it, but, um, I, I talked to her about it. Um, I don't know, like a few weeks before the race, uh, when we were out on a ride together and I, I had this thought of like, 
oh, like that's, that's so cool. Like I kind of wish that I was doing it, but like, there's no way like it, like next year, you know? Um, and, and I mean, I've thought about doing the AZT before, um, and just never, it's always been like a maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so then the, yeah, the weekend before the race, I was texting Isabel, like, have fun. Good luck. Uh, but, like that was the day they were, uh, she and her partner Bodhi, who also raced, um, were driving down, um, to Arizona. And like, as I was texting her that I just had this moment of like, fuck, I really wish that I was doing it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that, that day, um, I was, planning on doing a ride in Silverton. So uh, yeah, I like texted Isabel, like have fun, whatever. And then I started driving to Silverton and I just like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, oh, I really want to do it. And so I pulled over <laughs> and I called Isabel and I was like, you're going to think I'm a crazy person for what I'm about to ask you. And she's like, probably not. Uh <laughs> And I just, I was like, do you think it's too late for me to sign up? And she's like, no, I think you should do it. <laughs> and what day was that on? That was on Sunday? Uh, that, that was on Sunday, yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I just had this moment of like wanting to do it really badly. And I kind of one of the themes for me of the last like I don't know, six months or more has been like, what do I want? Um, and so when I felt like a wanting, I wanted to like snatch it, you know? Um, and yeah, earlier in the summer, I, uh, had gone on this, uh, backpacking trip, um, that was, kind of based on that same, like, I just had this idea of like, oh, I want to like do this backpacking trip, um, solo. And it was, is like the same feeling like, oh, I want to like snatch that feeling of like desire. Um, and it ended up being like really hard for me, uh, for that backpacking trip to just like start. Um, I ended up delaying myself like so much with, I don't just like, it was like everything that had ever like stopped me before was like standing in this doorway and for me to like confront. Um, but anyway, I, um, I kind of like having that same feeling of like wanting. And then this time, um, with the bike packing, I was like, I'm not going to dawdle on like, like I did with the backpacking trip, I like hesitated a bunch and I overthought it a bunch. And, uh, that's my usual MO is just to like overthink and overthink and overthink. And so this, I was like, I'm just gonna do it. Like, I'm just, I have to like, just not think. And like, I had the idea and I just need to go. <laughs> that's amazing. So here's uh, <laughs> my, here's my question. What what experiences have you had or had you had in your life up to that point where I mean obviously you you touched on 
the sense of needing to just go. But from a, you know, a practical standpoint of like being physically prepared, um, knowing where all the POIs are, having your gear dialed in, all, all those things, like what experiences in your life, like, uh, had you had that, like, you were able to make that decision yeah. in that moment. Yeah. That I was able to jump in at the last minute. Uh, <laughs> I I've done some bike packing, um, not a ton. Um, and I like maybe four or five trips before this. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And <laughs> I've, I've done a lot more backpacking, okay. uh, like hiking. Um, this summer I did a, a lot of backpacking, um, and kind of, uh, got more experience in like the ultralight world of backpacking. Um, I, I've done a lot of like long day rides and hikes, uh, that take me to like really remote places. Um, something I, I got a lot of practice in, in the last couple years like really since covid started um like when covid started i just kind of i found myself with uh a lot of extra time and energy uh and i started doing these like mega rides just like from my house where i just kind of like see how far i could get um and, and another thing i was doing at that time is like um i think this is kind of an effect of my COVID anxiety, but I wanted like control. So like on these like mega day rides, I, uh, like beforehand, I'd like do a bunch of research on like the route, like I'd, I'd map out a route and like, you know, look at like all the mileage elevation gain, like here's all of my bailout points. Um, you know, here's all the water sources. Here's all the potential places I could get food here's where I have cell service. Like if I need, you know, just like a lot of planning. Um, yeah. So I, I do have quite a bit of experience, uh, just like traveling and, and in the mountains, especially. Um, yeah, that's huge. And yeah, like navigation, uh, skills, even like even just like map and compass, you know, I, I have some experience with that. Um, and AZT's yeah, just like, Half of the AZT is a hike a bike anyway, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was prepared for that. That was like ended up being good for me. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I mean, you have a lot of outdoor experience. Uh, you said you're uh, yeah. a big runner. You uh, you you go on big rides, and so and you've done bike packing. So like, you put it all together, and you're like, I yeah. can, <laughs> I could, I could do the AZT. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, uh, what about from a, a gear standpoint and like, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm going to go and, and do this, but it's another thing. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving for Mulberry Gap in two days and, you know, I still have to unpack from my last bike packing trip and I got to put a new chain on, you know, it's like, there's shit to do. It's like, how, how well prepared for you were you from like getting all your gear and everything ready? Yeah. Um, my bike was in pretty good condition. I did like, um, the Monday before I like did a little safety check on, on my own bike. Um, 
and which is where my mechanic skills come in handy. <laughs> that's what I was just um, thinking. See, I'm not a mechanic. Yeah, you got uh, <laughs> that, that's a big tool in your uh, tool shed of like resources whenever you're doing something like this. Yeah, check your chain, check your brake pads. Those are the two big things. Uh, check your cables and housing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I like checked over my bike bike was in pretty good condition. Um, I had some bags, um, from previous trips I'd gone on. Just, I just have kind of like a hodgepodge of bags that I've acquired. Um, I, I ended up buying a seat bag, uh, from bedrock. Uh, they're in the building right next to us at Durango Cyclery. So I just walked up there and talked to Joey and, uh, got a bag, uh, from him and, um, I, I had to add, um, what is it called? Uh, wolf tooth makes some, you, uh, it's like a little stopper that you put around your dropper post. Um, I forget what it's called. I don't know it, but it, it, it keeps um, the dropper from going too far down and getting your back yeah. into your tire. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. It, it limits the travel. So yeah, I added one of those. I, I borrowed um, some gear from my friend, Emma Millar, who did the AZT last year, and she did really well last year. Um, so I borrowed lights and a uh, sleep setup from her, um, which was great. That Sunday, whenever you were going to go on a ride and then you decided to do the AZT, did you end up going on that ride or did you just book it back home and start getting no, ready? No, I, I went on the ride. You did? Okay. I <laughs> Well, because I was like, well, I wanted to see how it felt like on that ride with the idea of like, just like, okay, I'm just going to pretend for a second that like, I'm going to do this and, you know, like hold that idea of like, okay, I'm doing this. And so like, while I was riding, I was kind of like feeling that out. Um, And I ended up yeah, I, I just felt really good on that ride. Um, like my legs felt really good. I felt really strong. Um, I felt like myself, uh, <laughs> like, uh, I, I felt like my usual desire of like, I just want to go and go and go and like, you know, see what's around the next bend or like over the next climb. Like I was feeling in the zone in that way on that ride. And um, yeah, just with like how strong I felt and like kind of like picturing myself being on the AZT during that ride and like checking in with myself of like, how does that feel like, I guess, emotionally, um, it just, it felt right. Um, so I was just gonna say, like, I know if my legs can handle this, but I ended up climbing up stony pass uh getting on the ct and i was like if my legs can handle this like at twelve thousand feet right now and feel good i think i can do the ACT. <laughs> okay yeah so if anything it was like a confidence inspiring it was kind of like a almost like an affirmation of that okay i want to <laughs> yeah. do it you go and check in with your body with yourself with your mind and your body and your mind and everything is like yep it's go time exactly yeah exactly 
That's awesome. So how, you know, you said you've been uh, thinking about doing the AZT for many years. Um, how familiar with the route and the terrain and all that were you leading into it? Um, not very familiar. Like I had read like the bikepacking.com page on the route and I've done a couple day rides, uh, on the AZT, uh, like the last couple winters I've spent some time around Tucson and, um, so yeah, I did a day ride around, it was one of the Arizona endurance series routes. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it went through Kentucky camp. And then I'd done another day ride just on my own out of Patagonia. Um, so I had a tiny bit of familiarity with like the terrain. Um, but I never like gone so far as to like really research the route and like the water sources and the, the resupplies and the elevation gain and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty limited, uh, and how much of that were you, were you able to do prior to the actual start? <laughs> so yeah, because I, I mean, spent, water on the AZT is a big big deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's and important. that's that's not something to like mess around with. No. Um, I, I mean, I knew like I'm usually pretty cautious. Um, like I'm not a huge risk taker. Um, and so yeah, I um. That, that was like one of like going into it is like, I don't, is this really dumb? You know, like, am I putting myself in like a dangerous position, like going into it, you know, not, not prepared. Um, but so what I did is I, I spent a couple hours, like, I think it was that Monday, um, just on my computer, um, just kind of like reading about the route and like looking at it on, I use Gaia a lot, um, like for mapping. And so I was like looking at it on Gaia and, um, I was like, okay, like kind of have some idea of like just the context of everything. Um, I did buy a data sheet from, I don't know his actual name, uh, the, uh, one of seven projects. I don't Do know, know his, his name, name either. <laughs> nope. But I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, that I, don't know I go name. to events and I'm like, I know your Instagram, but I have no idea what yeah, your real right, name is. Right. Yeah. So um, his website is like one of seven. Uh, and yeah, anyway, he seven. had a data sheet uh, for the AZT. Um, and I, I ended up buying that um, uh, from him. That's a good tip. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah. It, it was a good research source. Um, and then I. Yeah, I just, um, I mean, I, I've done some hiking and bikepacking in the desert. And so just kind of like having some idea of like, you know, this is how much water I need to consume over like this amount of time. Um, and well, anyway, so what I, what I ended up doing to like figure out the water sources I, is I spent the entire drive down to Tucson. I, I ended up getting a ride with Steven, uh, another racer who's from Durango too. 
Um, so he and his friend drove the whole way and I just sat in the back seat staring at my phone for like nine hours, uh, like literally the whole entire drive, just like, okay, let me find all of the water sources. I used, um, gut hook, uh, or far, far out it's called now is, which is a hiking app. Um, and they have, uh, like points of interest, um, for like camping water, um, trail junctions, stuff like that. And people will comment like this source is dry or this source is running. So I used that. And I also talked to Steven while he was driving, like, Hey, like, what do you know about like where the water is? Um, so yeah, I, I just, I guess I had maybe like 12 hours of like just studying. Yeah. (laughs) So I can, I can picture two scenarios here. I can picture you're at the start line and you're feeling kind of relaxed because you haven't put, you know, you didn't decide a year ago you were going to do this and you've been training, you've been planning, you've been preparing and all that stuff adds pressure to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But I can also picture you're at the start line. You're like, oh shit, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm stressed <laughs> out. Da, da, da. So oh my God. where, where did you land? Um, well, yeah, I, I do think it was an advantage for me to not have the pressure. Um, I actually, I did my first, uh, running race this summer, like a couple weekends before AZT. And it, I, it was like, I didn't even know if I could cover that distance. Uh, but so I went into that running rate. It was, was like, it? I got practice. It was a half marathon, but yeah, so it was like, I got practice with the, like jumping in, not knowing and just like dropping all expectation. And so I kind of went into AZT, like I told myself, this is just, this is going to be just like that running race. Like you're going to do your best and, um, but you're not going to have any expectations of yourself and you're not going to compare yourself to others. Um, and so I do think that was an advantage, but like (laughs) the morning we left, I, I went and bought new shoes. (laughs) Um, Cause well, cause my feet swell. Like I, I know that my feet swell, like, you know, for longer efforts. And I was like, I need to size up. Um, so like I bought new shoes, I bought new grips. Um, I bought a sun shirt. Like, so yeah, I was like getting new gear, like, you know, day, the day that we were leaving, I, the morning of, I woke up and I was like, second guessing like so many decisions that I had made. Um, I ended up <laughs> putting back on my old grips, you know, like 20 <laughs> minutes before the start. Um, and like, <laughs> I, I talked to Esther, uh, at the start line. Um, I, I had known her cause she put on a, a bikepacking workshop in Durango, um, that I went to. Um, but Anyway, so I met her before and I, I saw her at the start and I was like asking her, like, should I bring this wool shirt or not? Or like, should I, <laughs> like, should I bring this food or not? Um, like, you know, like 20 minutes before the start and, <laughs> uh, everybody like started to line up and John Schilling's like, okay, like five minutes, everybody like 
get ready to go and it's like, okay, like, let's go. I'm still not lined up to start because I couldn't find my gloves. Oh my God. I was like, I need these. Like I, there's no way I'm riding through all the thorns without gloves on. I'm like tearing apart the truck. Like where the heck did I put my stupid gloves? And, um, the, one of the guys who drove down with us, uh, he, he wasn't racing. He's just standing there. Like, what, what can I do to help? And I'm like, I can't find my gloves. And then he's like, Katie, like what's right here. And he like points to my shirt and I like looked down and I had put my gloves in my bra, like uh. to hold onto them. Uh, and I was like, oh, God. Oh, uh, so, so I started like a few minutes behind everybody. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I very much was like, yeah, the like nerves and like last minute, like, oh, shit. Uh, that very much so did happen. But, uh, yeah, as soon as I started riding, it was like, OK, I'm out here. Like, I'm doing it. Like, there's nothing I can change about, you know, how I've prepared now. So, I'm, I'm just doing it. Yeah. In some ways, like all those little things, I'm guessing kind of help, uh, prevent you from like building it up in your mind. Like you're so focused on all the last minute shit. You don't have time to worry about the fact you're about to go ride 300 miles. <laughs> like you're just like, where the yeah. fuck are my gloves? Like that's what I need to know right now. <laughs> what were your, uh, what were your goals? Like going in, I mean, so I, I don't think, I think we might've mentioned it, but this was your first bikepacking race. Um, so I'm going to just guess that prior to this, you hadn't, you know, it's one thing to go bikepacking. It's another thing to race where you're like, I'm going to ride all day, maybe all night. I'm going to push my body and everything to the extreme. I'm assuming this was your first kind of, you know, uh, yeah, effort, uh, in, in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so what were your like goals going into it? Yeah. Um, I've done a, a few hundred mile races. So like, yeah, before this, my biggest, my longest effort was like, I think like 13 hours. Um, but yeah, my goal, my goal was to finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I told myself that I wanted to like push myself and like, I, I love riding fast. Like I, I like to go fast. Um, and so I just like, I knew I wanted to go fast and like fast to me meant just like at a pace that, you know, it felt fast to me, like regardless of like how it was compared to other people. Um, and yeah, basically I, I just like had decided like, I'm not gonna, this isn't going to be a tour. I'm not going to like stop and dawdle like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did not at all expect to be like a contender. I, um, yeah, the first night I, I ended up riding with Connor a bunch. who's also from Durango. Um, and um, I had met him before through the shop. Um, but anyway, I caught him, uh, at one point and we ended up riding together for like much of the first evening and night. And, uh, we got to Kentucky camp and we were like pretty thrashed, uh, from the, it was like the El Pilar section of trail was pretty rough. Um, and so 
both of us decided to sleep there. A lot of people slept at Kentucky camp. And I asked Connor, like, before he went to sleep, I was like, how, how much are you sleeping? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll probably set my alarm for like 4am. And I was like, okay, I, yeah, maybe I'll do that too. So I, I like set my alarm. Uh, it went off. I like woke up and I, and I like looked, there's like another guy next to me who had rolled in around the same time as us and he wasn't getting up. Yet. <laughs> I was like, well, if he's not getting up, I don't have to get up. <laughs> so I, I, anyway, I slept like, I think like seven hours, uh, the first night. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Cause I was also telling myself, this was like my biggest day on the bike in like over a year. Uh, and I need rest. Uh, but anyway, the next day I caught Anna at, um, I forget what it's called. El Sevilla. I I'm saying that totally wrong. There's a little picnic area, uh, with a water spigot and I caught her there. And when I caught her, cause I knew, I knew about Anna, um, just like reading about her, like tour divide and her CT. Um, so I, I, I like knew of her and I was like, she must be fast. Um, and when I caught her, I was like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I must be going kind of fast. Um, yeah. and, and I actually, I ended up riding with Anna quite a bit, um, throughout the rest of the race and we like leapfrogged a bunch. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I caught Anna that I was like, Oh, I might be a contender. Um, and then I started like, okay, I'm, I'm racing now. Um, but yeah, I, I like made a rule for myself to not check track leaders the whole time, because like I said, I didn't, I didn't want to compare myself to like, I knew that was going to be, um, just really bad for me mentally. If I was like comparing myself to what other people were doing. So I didn't check track leaders the whole time. So when you caught Anna, then you realized, oh shit, I'm fast. <laughs> but seriously, like, I mean, I, I'm picturing like, that would be shocking, you know, because you know who Anna is. We, I think most people know, I, I mean, for people who don't know, and to put a little respect to our name, she just, uh, with the completion of AZT, did the triple crown CT, uh, Tour Divide, and AZT, Let's see, she won Tour Divide, she won AZT, and she came in second place on the Colorado Trail. And so she's she, she knows what she's doing, and uh, she's winning races. And so to catch Anna on the trail must have been like, holy shit, was not expecting mm-hmm. that, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how did that play with your psyche? How did that shift your perspective of what you were doing in that moment? Well, yeah, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm racing now. Uh, I also like, I told myself at the same time, like, don't burn all your matches. Cause I, I have a tendency to do that. Uh, like I, I just, I want to go fast all the time and, and then I like burn myself out. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was like, okay, like push it, but also like, you know, don't push it too hard, like rein it in a little bit. Um, and then I, yeah, you I can't think race I was, her race, right? You gotta yeah, still well, stay was, in your own. 
that was one of my biggest takeaways um, from this whole experience was that I just, I need to go my own pace no matter what. Um, like whether that's faster or slower or stopped. Um, and like Anna, uh, we kept leapfrogging each other. Um, and uh, there were a few times where I like tried, like consciously, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to ride with Anna or like do what she's doing um, because she knows she must know what she's doing, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and that ended up like not really working out for me. Um, and yeah, it, so Anna is like very consistent. Um, she's very like slow, steady, just keep moving, very efficient, very consistent. Um, that that's my impression of her, um, just from riding with her on this trail. And, um, I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm not so consistent. <laughs> and I think your that's, approach that's is something... to just go fast, go hard and then take yeah. a break or what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like stop for longer. Um, I, I think that's something I, I might like, if I do more of these, like find the middle ground on, um, Cause yeah, I mean, there were a lot of times where I was just totally just inefficient, um, with my time, like wasting time stopped, like when I didn't need to be, but, um, I don't know, to some extent, I do think it, my body just like works better on the, like, go fast and then rest and then go fast and then rest. Yeah. Um, That's part of the fun is figuring out. I think that's one of the reasons why we do this stuff, I I think, at least for a lot of people, is to kind of learn yourself better, understand your body better. And mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to be able to recreate that experience. Like you just have to go out there and kind of learn through experience. Like what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How do you how do you work around them or work with them? And yeah, just do the best you can, you know, mm -hmm. that's all you can do. What's it like to race with Anna or anyone else, but I did notice on track leaders and, and y'all had a very close finish. Um, what's it like to like race with Anna, the person you're racing, but you're also kind of like, I don't know, you're just like chit chatting on the trail. I'm guessing. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was racing her. Um, I felt like riding with her was like very motivating. Um, I wonder, I haven't talked to her since she finished. Um, I wonder how she felt about it, but, um, it was like, for me, it was like, it, it, it like motivated me to like, like, oh, I want to like stay on pace with Anna or like, oh, I want to try to like go faster than her. Or like, if she had passed me, like, oh, I want to try to catch her. Um, but I didn't, it didn't really feel like a competition, I guess. And the times that I was riding with her, we were kind of more like teammates almost. Um, it was like a, there, there was some like working together. Um, and like, like a, there was one night we were riding together and I started to feel horrible, like mentally. And I, we were kind of leapfrogging a little bit. I had gotten ahead of her and then I stopped and I was like, okay, I need to like, an attitude adjustment right now. Like mentally I was just <laughs> like not in a good place. And Anna like caught me and I, I talked to her about it a little bit. Like, Oh, I'm feeling like 
I don't even remember what all was going on in my mind, but yeah, I, I like talked to her about it a little bit and she ended up like taking a little break with me and, but yeah, so like there was like teamwork, um, involved too. And like, we camped together two nights actually, like the first night we camped together is kind of just by chance. I think, uh, like I ended up catching her and, and Zach on Reddington road and, uh, we we did the whole Molino hike a bike together, finished at like 2 a.m. And all three of us camped at uh, the Molino campground. And then the following night, uh, I ended up camping with Anna again. But yeah, I, I didn't feel like she was my competition. I felt like, yeah, she motivated me and pushed me. And um, but yeah, mostly it was there was like a camaraderie to it. Yeah. I think that I think that resonates with a lot of people that do this kind of stuff. I mean, it really is you. At the end of the day, it's you against you. Your body and your bike uh, are only going to be able to go as fast. You know, your mind. Like, there's all these factors that you're working with, and on an endurance effort like this, like how much is, you know, how much are you actually like, chasing Anna, or how much are you just like doing the best that you fucking can? You know, it's like. Uh, but I think I I think a lot of people benefit from having another person there whether it's like oh i'm going to try to stay in front of her or i'm going to try to catch her or whatever it is but just having another person there is is motivating i think that's the right word it's motivating Mm -hmm. yeah it helps you like stay present and like uh gives you like a carrot kind of to to focus on and to play with a little bit and get lonely out there you know yeah yeah i got to have that with anna i when I was climbing Mount Lemon, the highway up uh, up Mount Lemon, I rode next to this roadie <laughs> out on a training ride. I, I like caught him while he was doing intervals, and then he ended up like kind of slowing down at one point to like ride next to me and chat with me. But then I was like, "Gotta like keep pace with this roadie." Um, <laughs> so like I experienced that then. Uh, I experienced it a little bit with like, Connor on the first night. I, I rode a ton with Johnny, uh, sorry, my phone, um, on the, oh, was that the third day or, oh gosh, I like everything's a blur. Anyway, I got to ride with Johnny, um, up, uh, like kind of pretty much from like Freeman road to, um, the Kearney like the highway that goes into Kearney. Um, and that was super motivating. Uh, I was like, don't let Johnny drop you. Like, don't let him drop you. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, riding with other people was super cool. Like, I was really glad I did the Grand Depart for that reason. Yeah. I told you I'm planning to do it in 2023. I guess I'm announcing it to the world at the same <laughs> moment because this is the first time I'm actually making it public. But like... I'm I'm personally wondering whether or not I want to, I mean, I think it'll just come down to my schedule, but what you said about this year's race really resonated with me because I, like, I saw the dates and I, I'm a single dad. And so like I had my kids that weekend, there was just no way I could, um, I mean, I guess I could, but I prioritize that time with my kids and, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to be there, man, like a last minute thing. Like it was like a week before exact mm-hmm. same thing as you. And I saw it, I think on Instagram post up and I'm like, I've been saying I want to do it for years and I'm like, and it just, and something inside just like, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to stop 
saying I'm going to do it. I'm like, this is, I'm going to do it. And I really wanted to be there for the group start. But since then, as I've been thinking about it, I'm wondering like, do I just pick a good weather window and do an ITT or do I do the group start? And as I've thought about it, it seems very, very intimidating to do an ITT. Like, and, and even when you were talking about your backpacking trip and how like, you know, all of your things met you at the door and you were like, couldn't get past that door. I, I was like, man, that's kind of how I feel about doing an ITT on the AZT. It uh-huh. feels like a lot of scary shit. Whereas if you know that you're going to do a group start, there's going to be other people there. And it's kind of like, I don't know, comforting. Mm-hmm. I think like if I were to do another race, I would, well, I don't know. I like, it's probably, I've never done an ITT, but, um, I'm sure there's like different benefits to each. Um, but I'm pretty like, just after this one experience, I'm pretty stoked on the, the grand depart experience. Yeah. 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 Why, I guess, why is it having, is it the comfort of having people around being able to chat with people? Like, what is it about the group start that you think that you'd prefer? It it was comforting. I mean, especially because I felt like I was like, well, yeah, I didn't have as much time to think about it um, before starting. Like I, like I usually do, like I said, I tend to overthink um, and want to like plan and prepare for like, like research the shit out of something for like every possible outcome. But anyway, so it like provided me some comfort, like, okay, if I like, I I do have responsibility, like all the races have responsibility to be self-sufficient. Um, but it, it was really comforting to know, like, if I have a moment where I'm, you know, actually in trouble or, or even just like unconfident, um, somebody else is going to come by, you know, at some, you know, maybe in a couple hours, um, so that, that was really comforting. And then, yeah, just kind of what I just spoke to of like the motivation of like pushing each other and that drive, um, and the, the like camaraderie and like getting to meet new people. Um, yeah, all of that yeah. was really great for me. Yeah, as I've thought about it, I, I was really, cause when I missed the group start this year, I was really, I was like, dang, man, I'm really fired up. I really want to do it. And October is a long ways away. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of thing I might try to do an ITT. But the more I thought about it, it was actually kind of like preparing for this interview and like thinking about, I mean, this was your first race. You did the 300. And I'm like trying to like put myself in that scenario, that mindset. I just don't think I'm brave enough to do an ITT. I think it, it's just, <laughs> it's, it really is kind of scary. Like I would like to do, maybe do the AZT as a group start, uh, first and then, and then think about doing ITT. But I, you know, also like I'm, I, I'm not, I don't really care about going fast. Like my goals would be to, yeah, finish and, and do the best that I can personally do yeah. regardless of what, um, other people are doing. But you know, the ACT is special. It's a really special trail um, in our trail network that we have here. It's a special, it's not a race, but it's a race, you know, it's in a gray area there. Uh, so we won't call it a race, but you know, it's uh, it's a special thing. And I think to do the AZT and to be able to be there with other people who are like in the community, sharing that camaraderie, camaraderie sharing that experience, 
that's something I want. Like, and doing an ITT kind of, you know, it takes that away from you. It's, it's all about you and you're the only one out there. And I, I think I like the idea of like doing it with people and like being part of that experience that, you know, a handful of other people are going to experience that year. It just feels special, you know? Mm -hmm. You keep talking about you like to go fast. And my impression <laughs> of the AZT is not fast at all. So <laughs> what is your definition of fast on the AZT? Like, uh, are there fast sections? Yeah, I felt like there were some pretty cruiser sections. Like, there's some sections where there weren't like a lot of rocks um, or like like big rocks or like drops or like, like the trail wasn't very technical um, and just kind of like rolling um, that felt really fast to me, um, especially like a lot of the riding around here and that like, well, pretty much I think all of Colorado um, can be pretty like technical. Um, and then also, yeah, like kind of comparing to Colorado, like, there was less um, like climb for six hours straight and then descend, <laughs> you know, for however many hours, like, you know, it was more rolling terrain. So in that way, mm -hmm. to me, it felt fast. Um, yeah. I would, yeah. There were some sections that definitely felt fast. Um, there was a lot of hike a bike, um, but the hike a bike wasn't, too bad for me like I, I still like I felt fast I, I th and when I say like I want to go fast I think what I mean is like this feeling of going like I know I'm going fast I feel like I'm going fast like for me um I feel like I'm flying um that's what I mean when I say like I want to go fast um so yeah even like some of the hike of bikes still felt fast for me like I felt like I kind of flew up um actually oracle ridge um which was like a pretty big hike a bike like i felt really pretty fast on that section <laughs> do you think because you've done, been doing a lot of running and hiking and stuff i was curious how i mean that's gotta help you on the azt i with think so it much did yeah i think it did <laughs> How much, uh, I meant to ask you earlier, but like how much riding, uh, you touched on, you've done a lot of bike backpacking, a lot of running, but how much like riding time did you get in prior to the AZ? We'll call your training period, even though you never really had a <laughs> training period. <laughs> yeah. So last summer and the summer before I, I put in a lot of time on the bike, um, and like doing really long days and then yeah that just kind of fell by the wayside for various reasons like starting last fall um some like health stuff some like life stressors um losing like motivation or like passion um and then yeah like this so this spring and summer Oh gosh, I only had maybe three or four like really big what I what I would call a big ride, like where I was out for, you know, five hours or more. Um 
yeah, I think I only had like three, three of those. (laughs) And other than that, it was just like squeezing in like hour, hour and a half long rides, like before work. Um, but yeah, like July and August, I barely rode at all. (laughs) Cause I just, yeah, I was like, I kept trying to like push myself to like, I don't know. I just kind of like lost like my love for it. Um, like various reasons, which, uh, I still don't like completely understand what happened, uh, or I like need to get into, but, um, yeah. And yeah, in July, it just kind of started to turn into like every weekend when I was like, when I had off, like, what do I want to do this weekend? The answer kept being like, I want to go on a hike instead of like, I want to go on a bike ride. And so I just kind of started leaning into that and I was like, well, I guess I'm, I'm just a runner now. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's interesting. It makes me feel better. Like I'll have a shot at maybe doing it, uh, if I ride my bike and you know, it's like, yeah, well, I guess go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I am, I, I have been paying for that. Like, uh, I, I'm, I've been very sore and like tight and, I I'm still recovering for sure. Um, so yeah, I do, I do feel like I paid for, for that. Um, like if I had done more, uh, training, uh, I, I maybe would have, have more resilience to kind of like bounce back faster. I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole idea from your perspective of signing up for the AZT with, with pretty limited riding going into it, mostly just running and and hiking and stuff. Where did the confidence come from to, (laughs) to be like, yeah, I can, I can, I can do that. You know, like I, I would feel like, you know, just not just you, but anybody is about to go do the 300 on the AZT. It would be like, well, fuck, I haven't ridden my bike. And like, Instead of leaning into, I can do this, I think a lot of people would lean into maybe talking themselves out of it. They'd be like, oh, you haven't been doing this and da-da-da-da-da. Well, that's what I always do to myself is I talk myself out of stuff. Like, you're not prepared. You're not good enough. You're not perfect enough. This is scary. Like, you know, I I have all these, like, doubts and fears and, like, reasons of, like, why I shouldn't do something. And so, well, yeah, I've, that's been like a big, um, I guess project for me, like a self-healing project for me, especially lately is to, um, you know, go against all of that. Um, I did get to have an experience. So in May I did the iron horse, um, here in Durango, which is a, a road race. Um, you get to like race the train to Silverton. Um, it's pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, so going into that, I was, uh, I did not feel prepared. Um, like I hadn't been like training, uh, like I I had stopped working with my coach. I, I kind of threw training out the window and, um, I, I did really well in iron horse and, during that race, I, I mean, I've kind of always known like that the mental side of things is a huge factor. Um, and you know, like 
you know, what, what you think impacts how you perform. Like I, I know that. Um, but it really clicked for me during that race. Um, cause it was maybe the first time where I experienced hitting my physical limit before my mental limit. Um, like I, I've never had cramps before I rode so hard. I like gave myself like horrible, like my legs were cramping up. I I was getting to the finish line thinking that I was going to have to walk the last hundred yards. Like I thought I was going to keel over. Um, but anyway, I just, I, I did a really good job of like staying present. My mantra was like during that iron horse race is like, keep it right here every time like my thoughts started to drift anywhere else. Um, I just was like, keep it right here. Like, you know, don't even think about like the next climb, like just think about where you are exactly right now. Um, so anyway, like having that really click for me of like, wow, my mental limit actually comes before my physical limit does. Um, I think like I was able to take that learning and like apply it to this. So I, I think that was part of the confidence. But other than that, I don't really know. I, I don't know where it came from. Um, yeah. It sounds I like just, a motivation just to say yes and to like yeah. you know, do the damn thing. It's like just not it, the, maybe the motivation was to not be a slave to your fears and your doubts and all the things. Right. Yeah. That's a great reflection. What is your reflection now on your effort? Um, I mean, you came in second place 40 minutes ish, uh, according to the town. What is their website? The town bicycle. Yep. Uh, that Ezra does. Yeah. yeah the town bicycle. Yeah. So I've read their, report and and i liked her report because she was like we're not very good at checking our watches finishers <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> come in so we're gonna save about 40 minutes uh after anna but i mean it's a very very tight race you know kind of where you were at mentally and physically and training wise and and all those things leading into it what is your reflection now on on that effort um as maybe you've had some time to think about it i i feel really proud um of it. I'm really happy with how it all went. Um, yeah, I, I do feel proud of it. Um, I, I'm like, I know I could go faster. Uh, like I already <laughs> like, you know, want to go back and, and go faster, um, and awesome. like improve. Um, but yeah, overall I'm, I'm super happy. Like part of me was like a little bit disappointed. Like I could have like won. Like, what if I had won? Um, like, what if I had been the first woman to uh, finish the at picket post, um, finish the three hundred? Um, so yeah, I have like had a little bit of nagging. Like, like you could have won if you had only done this, this, and that. Um, but the, those thoughts have been really easy to push aside because I'm just. I'm just so happy that I did it. Um, and, and I would have been proud of myself. Like if I had, you know, with, with any result, I, I would have been super proud of myself and, and really happy uh, to have done it. So yeah, I feel really good about it. It makes sense. I think you can be in both places, you know, you can be like, <laughs> 
oh, I did good. This is awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. And also you can think back and be like, well, I could have also done better. Like I'm thinking about your first night and sleeping seven hours, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you lose a race by 40 minutes uh, and you, you know, it's like I could have slept six hours and, and one. So like, I'm guessing like, yeah. it's like little things like that, that just kind of nag you. But at the same time, like, you know, you have to give yourself grace because you didn't know, you didn't know you were going to catch Anna. You didn't know how your body was going to react. You didn't have multi-day experience where you're pushing your body, you know, to the limits every single day. You didn't know if your body needed seven hours. You didn't know if you, you know, it's like all of those things are question marks. Yeah. So like, I think you can be both things. I think you'd be like stoked (laughs) and impressed with yourself and also just, uh, but that's how we grow, right? Is like reflecting on those things and be like, oh man, that's cool. Well, now I know I can do X or I can do Y or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What are some things that you, reflecting on it, that you wished or feel like you could have done differently or better? Well, yeah, the, the seven hours of sleep the first night. <laughs> no one's Um, kicking you (laughs) yeah I I could have slept less the first night I um so I stopped at Rocking K um and at Summerhaven and I uh both uh when I was riding with Johnny that gosh so was that the third or fourth day anyway it doesn't matter when I was riding with Johnny we both got to Ripsy and we're like oh shit we're low on food and we like there's a restaurant that delivers um to where the trail like crosses the highway and so we called in and made an order and so yeah I had three food resupplies just because like I I don't know I was always either like not wanting to eat what I had or like yeah like in Summerhaven I remember going in to get food well first i i went into the general store and i just like stuffed my fate i was just i'm just gonna buy snacks for right now (laughs) um so first i stuffed my face and then i went back in like okay resupply time and i told myself like okay just don't don't like think about it just buy what looks good and then i got out of the store like late like a few hours later i was like looking at my food and my bags and being like, I didn't buy nearly enough food. Like just everything that I bought, like visually looked like a lot of food. But then I was like looking, like I bought like two big bags of fruit snacks and it was like, they were like 200 calories each or something. And it was like, visually it took up a lot of space, but it was like very low calorie. Um, so yeah, just, I kind of messed up on that resupply. Um, and then, yeah, I had to wait for a couple hours for the restaurant to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, yeah, all the, like there were, there were several times where I slowed myself down by like basically just not being confident. Like, for example, after that, uh, restaurant delivery, um, like, yeah, I did like just, Unex- like or accidentally ended up in a position where I wasn't going to have enough food. So I kind of had to do that resupply. And unfortunately the delivery driver wasn't going to be in until a certain time. Like I couldn't have controlled that, but then 
um, unless I had resupplied better in summer haven. But uh, <laughs> I, um, after getting my food from the restaurant, I like hesitated some more because I, I was running low on batteries on like everything, uh, like my phone, my Wahoo, um, my lights. And I just, I basically, I just spent a bunch of time worrying about like what's going to happen if, you know, my lights die or if my Wahoo dies or if my phone dies or, you know, whatever. And like trying to plan for like, what should I do? Um, and so basically I just kind of dawdled and, and then Anna caught me again. <laughs> and then I was like, well, now I can ride with Anna and I can turn off my Wahoo and like save the batteries on that. But then when I started riding with Anna, uh, like I, I was, I was trying to pedal slower um, to match her pace, um, instead of my pace of like pushing really fast up the climb and then slowing down again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I was like, I was trying to match her pace and I hurt my knee. I mean, uh, I've had this happen once before. I think it's a tendonitis thing. So it wasn't just that I was trying to, you know, ride at a different pace. It was the cumulative effects of the days prior, um, and coming in off the couch basically. But yeah, I like blew up my knee. Um, and I had to walk pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe 99% of that climb up Martina's Canyon. Cause it, I just couldn't put too much force on my knee pedaling. Like it hurts too bad. Um, anyway, so yeah, those are some, some, things I would change. Um, what about the, I remember, I think the, uh, <laughs> the Colin, you mentioned that you ran out of water or almost ran out of water, Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, which is obviously pretty I, scary. Yeah. On Oracle Ridge, I just like, yeah, maybe it was because I told myself not to think <laughs> when I was resupplying in summer Haven, um, as a way to like, not stress myself out, but so I didn't really like pause to think, I guess, about like how much water I was going to need for the upcoming section. I, I remember I was like aware of how many miles it was to the next water source, which I think it was only like 12 miles or something like that. It, it wasn't a lot, um, but I kind of like failed to consider like how slow going it was going to be because it was like pretty much all hike a bike. Um, and so, yeah, and I had accidentally, um, in Summer Haven, I was, uh, I carried a bag of tailwind with me and I, I was like dumping it into my bottle and just like not really paying attention. I dumped way too much. It was basically like seawater. Yeah. I was like, this is going to like dehydrate me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, I, I think I only had like a liter and a half um, which was kind of dumb. Whoa. Um, yeah. And I ended up being totally fine. Um, cause I mean, luckily my hiking experience this summer, I think that section went faster for me than maybe it did for some other people. But, um, yeah, about like halfway across the ridge, I started to get really scared, like 
taking stock of the situation and like, oh God, I might run out of water. (laughs) (laughs) And I I did like, I I dehydrated myself a bit and I was able to, there was like a water spigot was the next water source. So I was able to like really uh, replenish the stores. But um, yeah. That that was a mistake. I, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think I think everybody does. And, that's and part of. I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the process. I mean, for your first, I mean, yes, maybe you made a lot of mistakes in hindsight. But like as you're talking, what I'm thinking is, it, those are just learning. You know, it's like, you, yeah. I mean, you didn't have a ton of time to prepare all your POIs and look really closely at. Okay, mm-hmm. when you're in Silver, whatever Haven Town, you said like. You know, you you know, yeah. it, the next section is gonna be slow going, so make sure you have X number of water. Like, you know, it's just like little things that you can like tighten up over time. But overall, it sounds like, I mean, you had a pretty clean run at it uh, with just, uh, yeah, you know, a few little things here and here that you could like tighten up. I have a, I don't know if you can. This feels like a big question for a three hundred mile race, but like, how hard? is the AZT because I always, you know, you watch the videos and it's just like rocks upon rocks. And then, you know, oftentimes yeah. it, feels, it seems like the trail isn't even there and you're just like bushwhacking through thorns and at night, like how challenging is it? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it depends what you're used to. Um, I, well, I thought, that the riding like overall like technically was not super hard um but i'm coming from riding um you know really challenging single track um in durango and salida and like i've I've spent a lot of time like purposely seeking out like really technical trails to like improve my bike handling skills. So like just from like all the practice that I've had, um, over the years, like technically speaking, that part wasn't super hard for me. Um, the overgrowth was really hard. Um, I mean, there were times that I was just like praying that there wasn't a rock in the trail that I couldn't see, uh, (laughs) or a snake, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah. I crashed once. Um, and it was because like the grasses are like, they're just, they're covering the trail. Um, and so you, you can't see what the trail actually looks like, but below the grasses. And so like, I just hit a rock and just kind of like supermaned off of my bike. Um, that was my only crash. It, I mean, it's hard. I, Luckily, I just, I I think lucky for me, I just really like mountain biking and really like single track. And so it was like, you know, to be on single track for like, I don't know what the percentage is actually, but it just, it felt like a treat um, to like be riding that much single track. Um, it's hard. <laughs> Nothing but that's a good way to like look at it. Is like my scope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it is just like uh, the the you're the good fortune of being able to be, you know, in a wilderness environment, riding your bike 
on single track for 300 miles, you know, maybe not, yeah. you know, I don't know. We don't know what the exact breakdown is, but for a long time, like that is a treat. That's something special that you don't, you know, usually do like a 20 mile loop or something and they go back home. Like, this is cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I do think like something I would say like for maybe for you like going into yeah, it next year is like, <laughs> um, well, I I think people can be really dramatic about like how hard something is, and so just like not really listening, like people add drama to, <laughs> um, you know what it what it actually is, and so like I was really nervous just like having heard people talk about like how hard it is and and then when I was actually out there I was like oh I feel like most of those stories about uh I don't know somebody else might totally disagree with me but uh I I just I to me when I was actually out there I was like oh I feel like most of that that was kind of instilling some fear in me or that was feeling like daunting was like drama. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that. I definitely could totally see that. <laughs> and you can only speak from your own experience, right? So yeah. like for you, it it wasn't. And 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 I mean you you qualified it. I mean you're you ride in Durango. It's very technical mm-hmm. riding and yeah, yeah. You know, depending on your own uh threshold for, you know, your own experience for that type of terrain will d- determine how how well you're able to probably enjoy the the trail so we saw a lot of um this year a lot of single speed a lot of single speed finishers yeah uh what about you if and when you do it again uh, have you considered whether or not you would do single speed versus geared (laughs) i don't know i i kind of like my gears um i so i don't have any experience you do like to go fast that's true yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i don't have any experience with single speeding i'm I'm actually, I'm doing single speed cyclocross worlds this weekend. (laughs) It's in Durango. Um, and that'll be like my first single speed (laughs) experience. Um, all the single speeders out on AZT, um, made it look so fun. Um, (laughs) I, for that reason, I, I want to try it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to try, you know, just starting from scratch. Uh, or like what you're going to do this beginner. weekend. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing this weekend. You're starting from scratch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. I want to try it now. Like they they really do make it look very fun. I I totally get the like simplicity of it. Um, I've heard people talk about. Um, how it gives you more, your legs more rest, like having to walk more <laughs> instead of like the constant, just pedaling a hundred percent of the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks super cool, but I, I can't speak to it, uh, myself. Uh, but yeah. What, what about you? Are you going to single speed it? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. I actually, I'm I haven't decided. I'm actually leaning towards single speeding it. Uh, I just went on my first ever uh, single speed bikepacking trip like a week ago. And it was like, it was exactly what you said. I feel like people, that's what I was thinking about when you talked about is like people like built it up into this really like daunting thing. Yeah. And so like, 
I've been talking to single speeders for, you know, Hefe Branham's been on, Andrew Strumke's been on, like okay. uh, Bailey Newbury. Like I've had a lot of single speeders on and I'm always like, man, that just sounds like crazy. And then I went and did it. And I'm like, it was actually fine. It was like not a big deal at all. And yeah. Uh, so on the AZT where there's so much hike a bike and, you know, reducing the potential for mechanicals. A uh, little bit lighter of a setup. I don't know. It seems like it might be a good, tr- good, good trail for single speed. So if you ask me right now, if I had to pick right now, I think I would pick single speed right now. We'll see where I land. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking single speed. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, well, here's what I'm wondering. Cause you started this, it seems like you were, you were kind of leaning in, you said you're leaning into being a runner and a hiker and uh, <laughs> you kind of lost a little bit of the passion or whatever for cycling and, and, and stuff, which, you know, I think life is full of ebbs and flows and I think we should kind of go with wherever our heart is, <laughs> but what is this experience? Where have you landed, um, on that with, uh, through, through this experience? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I, I feel like my motivation for riding has been like reinvigorated <laughs> quite a bit. Like I'm already Seems wanting like to it. like jump back into training mode. Uh, and I don't know what that's going to look like for me. Um, exactly. But, um, yeah, I've already felt like in the last two weeks, I've already felt a, a lot of motivation to like you know, get out and ride, um, which has felt really good. Um, I was feeling like pretty lost, um, like without that. Cause it, it was like, yeah, like this is, this is what I love to do. This is like a really big part of my life. I've invested a lot of, you know, time and energy in it. Like where has all that gone? And so, yeah, feeling, going from feeling like really lost, like, yeah, having more, um, yeah, drive and and purpose. And, um, yeah, I think I'm kind of focused on, um, like what's my next really big effort going to be like, uh, what's, what's the next bike packing race? As, as opposed to, I, my background is, um, mostly, most of the racing I've done is cyclocross actually. Um, and so, yeah, like going from, you know, 40 minute race to like a four day <laughs> race, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really excited about the, the long efforts and yeah, I, yeah, I just, I feel reinvigorated. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your, uh, everything, you know, like life is a journey and there's ebbs and flows. And so it's, uh, I think a lot of us like find ourselves. I, I say like the bike is a is a tool for not only like discovering the world, but discovering ourselves, you know, and like being yeah. out there for a lot of time. You get a lot of our opportunity to like work through whatever you need to work through and and have those chats and and also it gives you the opportunity to realize like, hey, I'm a fucking badass. Like I just did AZT <laughs> 300. Gave Anna Jagger a, a run for her money there. And I mean, that's that's got to feel good, you know, not that it's you against Anna, but just mm-hmm. it's got to feel good to like be in a body that's able to give you that experience, you know, no matter what the result is, like that's just got to feel good. Yeah, yeah. Gratitude has been one of the biggest feelings, like both during and and 
post race, um, I, I felt really grateful, um, that, yeah, that I can do this, that, like you said, that my body, uh, allows me to do this. And, and I feel, I felt really grateful for all of the people, um, who helped me make it happen and who supported me. Like that, that was another like really huge deal for me, uh, about this whole thing was like, I, I only received, uh, words of encouragement and support, um, from everybody. Like I didn't get any, like, are you sure about this? Or like, like, Oh my gosh, you're doing it alone. Like that's your, you know, what up? Like, are you sure you're ready? Like, be careful. Uh, I feel like I I can, like, I've experienced hearing a lot of that, like being questioned, Um, but this, yeah, this go around, I only got people telling me like, you can do it. You got this. Um, how can I help you? You know, like you're crushing it. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say you can, and you did. Yeah. (laughs) So it's freaking awesome. I have to run and go get my daughter from school or else she's going to be sitting. She's going to, I'm going to be like the dad that's like picking up his kid. That's like sitting on the curb oh, and the night is coming in. And I don't want to, uh. no, I'm going to be, on, I'm going to be on time, but yeah. I hate to, I hate to cut it off, but uh, it's fun chatting with you. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and I appreciate you sharing your experience and I'm really happy for you. It's, it, what an exciting journey to kind of be like, huh? I guess I'm going to do AZT in four days and then you go and crush it. So <laughs> yeah. congrats to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, this has been really fun. Well, good. I'm glad. I enjoyed it too. Enjoy the rest of your day off. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing what you do next time, next race. There might be a little bit more pressure next time. People are going to be watching your doc. Like, oh, what you going to do? <laughs> All right. Take care, Katie. Appreciate it. Bye. Alrighty, folks, thank you for tuning in today. And if you're going to the Bikes for Death Takeover this weekend, I can't wait to see you there. We might get some rain. We might not. Who the freak knows? It's going to be a good time. We're going to be riding bikes. We're going to have fun. And uh, I'm really excited about the presentations. Uh, I've been getting some sneak peeks of what's in store for you fine folks. And it is going to be off the hook. Can I say that? Off the hook, off the chain. It is going to be off of something. It's going to be out of this world. And you don't want to miss it. Also, On Saturday night, we have a live band that's performing, and uh, they got a special treat for everybody there. So lots of good things to look forward to. I've got to get to packing because it's a 14-hour drive, and I got shit to do. So let me get this one in the can and out to all you beautiful people so you can enjoy your week, and I will see you at the Bikes for Death Takeover at Mulberry Gap this weekend. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. It is always a pleasure. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination? Merely folklore. Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. 
Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes, oh death, bikes, oh death. Podcast.